Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Fertility in Focus podcast. I'm your host, Christina Burns. I'm a doctor of natural medicine specializing in the treatment of infertility via natural and integrative methods. I founded the Naterna Institute in New York City, where my team and I work with women and couples, often in collaboration with Western medical doctors, to guide the path to healthy conception. In this podcast, you'll learn all about your body and everything in the fertility landscape to help you realize your dream of baby. I'll be bringing you the best of advice from experts in the fields of both natural and conventional medicine, as well as the heartfelt and very helpful stories of brave fertility heroes on their path to baby. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. I like to uh, try to keep information current here. And so today I wanted to break down the info on a discussion around something called the mini immune protocol that's being offered more and more in conjunction with mostly frozen embryo transfers um, in IVF, but it can be used in natural fertility and in fresh transfers also, or IUI. And essentially it's the use of antihistamines and uh, corticosteroid prednisone to facilitate implantation when it is not happening, when the immune system might be interfering. So this protocol, you'll see it all over the chat rooms, claritin, pepsidin, prednisone. I think CCRM is recommending it. We're going to get into the background of why this is being recommended. And, you know, you can figure out if it's right for you or if you want to go more the natural route. Immune responses can can have a lot of manifestations. If you experience headaches or anxiety, for example, that can be like a histamine or an inflammatory response. Digestive distress, painful periods, if your face flushes when you drink red wine or maybe you get drunk too easily, if you get an itchy tongue or runny nose when you eat certain foods, if any of this resonates, you might be having an immune response, more specifically a histamine response to certain substances. Not for nothing, it's allergy season, which is another reason why I'm doing this topic now. So you're usually used to thinking about like histamine and allergic reactions, immune reactions, you know, in reaction to what's happening outside. So, you know, the pollen's floating around, you're getting, you're sneezing, runny nose, maybe you're tired, puffy, miserable. Um, That's a typical allergic response. Or maybe you know of an allergic response in terms of like, you know, the itchy tongue thing or skin reactions. That's been super common these days. Tons of hives. Histamine reactions are an all-time high, Um, but we're going to get into maybe why that is happening also. Other manifestations of a histamine reaction, this internal like inflammatory immune reaction, are abdominal cramps, uh, abnormal menstrual cycles, anxiety, That's an interesting one because a lot of people think that they just have like this really high anxiety for no particular reason. And interestingly, it can literally be your immune system like attacking the neurotransmitter balance and making you feel crazy. Arrhythmia or accelerated heartbeat, like your heart can jump around. I think that's one of the reasons why we're we're seeing that a lot these days is with like COVID and mRNA vaccines is that we're like it, we're having actually a histamine immune response to these things and and that's why the heart is skipping around and having more inflammatory things like myocarditis and pericarditis. That aside, difficulty falling asleep is another one. Um, difficulty regulating body temperature, fatigue, flushing, skin issues. 
migraines, as I mentioned, uh, hives, as I mentioned, hypertension, nausea, vomiting, which is fairly extreme, but it can happen. Happens to people premenstrually. Migraines, nausea, and vomiting. This is likely a histamine thing. It also makes you, higher histamine also makes you have a worse pregnancy in terms of like nausea and then sometimes high blood pressure at the end. Tissue swelling, puffiness, bloating. If you're like, I'm so puffy, like why am I puffy? That can be histamine or this immune reaction. Vertigo, dizziness. So let's break down what's happening behind the scenes. Histamine is a chemical involved in your immune system, your digestion, and your central nervous system. Your fertility too, by the way, but I'll get to that. As a neurotransmitter, it communicates important messages from your body to your brain. It is also a part of stomach acid, which helps you break down food. Histamine's role in the body is to cause an immediate inflammatory response. It serves as a red flag in your immune system, telling your body about potential attackers. On the other end of the spectrum, antihistamines like Claritin and Pepsid and Zyrtec and Allegra um, prevent this inflammatory response. How does histamine affect your body? Well, it's super inflammatory, especially if it keeps coming back, which is the issue that we're encountering. Never have I seen in all of my 20 years of doing this fertility work, have I seen so many cases of like unknown failed implantation and in healthy women with healthy embryos. Histamine causes your blood vessels to swell so that your white blood cells can quickly move in to resolve any problems. It's part of the body's natural immune response, and typically enzymes will break down the histamine so it doesn't build up. That's what we don't want is a histamine buildup. It's a natural immune response. We just don't want it building up and recurring. If you don't break down histamine properly, it builds up and you develop histamine intolerance, and you're constantly inflamed at this point, and your immune system starts wigging out. As histamine travels through your bloodstream, it can affect your gut, lung, skin, brain, and entire cardiovascular syndrome. Again, hence why I believe we are seeing so many cardiovascular issues these days. But what causes high histamine levels? Well, from a female perspective, high estrogen levels can do it. Histamine in general plays an important role in your cycle and a successful pregnancy. It triggers estrogen production in your ovaries and histamine release from your mast cells in your uterus. Progesterone, on the other hand, inhibits the release of histamine. Your endometrial cells, the cells of your uterine lining, use histamine as a messenger to communicate as they prepare for implantation, which causes normal fluctuation of histamine during your menstrual cycle. Though it's much necessary for your cycle and for conception, too much estrogen can become a problem. Why do we have too much estrogen? IVF cycles, hello, we get so much estrogen from producing more eggs and taking all the medications. People with fibroids often have higher estrogen levels, adenomyosis, endometriosis, PCOS. Basically, if you have reproductive growths, you probably have high estrogen. You will know this because you will be, you will have bad PMS, you will feel bloated, you will have trouble losing weight, you will get like angry easily or have emotional fluctuations. Uh, and it definitely is made worse if you are constipated because then you can't eliminate the excess estrogens. It's a vicious cycle because excess histamine can lead to increased estrogen and increased estrogen can lead to excess histamine. So it's like a, it's like a kind of vicious loop that repeats itself and, and makes it worse over time. And this is also made worse if you go through multiple IVF cycles or take fertility drugs and you just keep getting more histamine intolerance. Some of the effects of this are more obvious, like Histamine intolerance can stimulate pain receptors, cause uterine contractions, and contribute to menstrual cramps and menstrual migraines, for example. Digestive issues is one that people don't talk about as much, but like if you have digestive issues, you probably have histamine responses going on, especially like bloating, gas, and that kind of discomfort. 
We will get right back to today's episode in just a moment. But since you're listening to this podcast, I gather you may also be interested in exploring holistic methods to better your fertility journey. In addition to running this podcast, I am also the founder of the Naturna Institute, a holistic wellness institute in New York City that uses naturopathic and traditional Eastern approaches to achieve optimal reproductive wellness. We offer a very comprehensive approach to natural care, often working alongside your Western medical practitioner to enhance results. And even if you live outside of New York City, We offer a variety of virtual services to better guide you in a tailored plan to help you towards your fertility goals. Be sure to check us out through our website, naturnalife.com, and follow us on Instagram at naturna underscore life. Okay, now back to the show. Mast cell activation is a term that's being thrown out a lot, especially by rheumatologists, allergists, immunologists. And it's not found so much in the scientific literature, but I think it's going to become more and more prominent because I'm hearing about it a lot. It's essentially like a multi-system inflammatory issue. And we're seeing, obviously, a lot of multi-system inflammatory issues that are maybe a part of long COVID, maybe are a result of mRNA exposure to some people that don't tolerate it well. We don't know for sure, but there's lots of speculation happening. So mast cell activation syndrome is a chronic multi-system disease of reactive mast cell mediator release causing general inflammatory, allergic, and kind of like immune issues. It's quite common actually, perhaps as high as like 17 to 20% of the population and for whatever reason has a strong affinity for females. I think that has to do with our hormonal issues and, and maybe like the estrogen, the excess estrogen part of things because it seems to be affecting also perimenopausal women, which is a time when you would have, or menopausal women, which is time you ha- you're not good at eliminating your estrogen. Reproductive immunologists have been chatting about it for a while, though. They say that the presence of mast cells, the histamine-producing cells, are of importance and increase in quantity at the interface between the embryo and the mother's uterine lining, because that's what I was talking about before. The release of histamine at the early stages of implantation is critical in allowing growth and invasion of the embryo into the mother's uterine lining. Studies have shown that inhibition of this release may actually have a negative impact on the process. Like, so using antihistamines at implantation actually might not be helpful, yet many are using this mini immune protocol that we are having, you know, be the spotlight of this podcast. It blocks histamine release and helps people get pregnant, and we're seeing it be very successful. So although we need a certain amount of histamine and inflammation for implantation to occur, we're clearly having too much of it in this day and age. This is why we're having more of a prevalence of strange like implantation failure and fertility issues that we didn't use to see as much. Let's talk a bit about how the body breaks down histamine. Once histamine is formed, histamine is either stored or broken down by an enzyme. In the central nervous system, histamine is mainly broken down by something called HMT. In the digestive tract, histamine is broken down by DAO, DAO. Though both enzymes play a role in breaking down histamine, the American Society of Clinical Nutrition found that DAO is the main enzyme responsible. And since that happens in the digestive system, we have to surmise that the digestive health is important. We naturally produce histamine along with Dow. So they are supposed to balance each other out and Dow is like histamine is a good thing that we have for our immune response and that Dow helps break it down and get rid of it so it doesn't keep causing an issue. When there's an imbalance and we are having histamine intolerance, it's usually because we have elevated inflammation, we have um, small intestine bacterial overgrowth or dysbiosis, issues with our digestive function, we're eating too many histamine-rich foods, we have leaky gut. 
there are a list of of natural, seemingly healthy foods that actually kind of elevate our histamine levels, usually there wouldn't be an issue, except that they seem to be an issue nowadays with all the genetically modified food we're eating, with higher stress levels, with gut issues, with all the inflammation in our bodies for reasons that I've mentioned. Food allergies were also found in research to be more prevalent in those with mast cell activation or histamine issues. Dairy, including milk, cheese, and yogurt, and grains, especially wheat-containing grains, chemicals, and preservatives seem to cause a lot more issues with histamine. So here are some foods to avoid if you have histamine issues or if we think there's inflammation. Aged cheeses, cured meats, dried fruit, fermented alcoholic beverages, especially wine, champagne, and beer, fermented foods, citrus fruits, nuts, peanuts, sour foods, avocados, tomatoes, eggplant, spinach, pickles, mayonnaise, olives. Those are like more of those preserved foods. Histamine-releasing foods like the other alcohol, but the ones I mentioned already, artificial preservatives and dyes, artificial sweeteners, bananas, chocolate, pineapple, shellfish, strawberries, wheat germ, teas and coffee. I know it sounds like everything. So here are some foods that you can enjoy if you if we think there's a histamine issue. Cooked eggs, olive oil, coconut oil, dairy substitutes. I'm always recommending vegan milks anyway. Coconut milk, rice milk, hemp milk, almond milk, other fresh foods, pear, watermelon, apple, kiwi, grapes, fresh vegetables except for tomato, spinach, and eggplant, fresh caught fish, freshly cooked meat, gluten-free grains, herbal teas, leafy herbs, nuts and seeds you can actually get away with if they're sprouted and stone ground. You just don't want the ones that have like been sitting in oil and roasted. That's going to be more of an issue. And you want to eat the general rule in my opinion is to eat more fresh cooked food and not to eat food that's been sitting because anything that's sitting in the fridge or in a cafeteria will grow histamine or grow the bacteria that releases histamine. If you have an autoimmune disease, you may want to avoid grains, legumes, and nuts for a little while. But again, sprouted grains and nuts and legumes can be really helpful. Okay, so now, now back to this immune protocol. Why? Well, I mean, I just basically told you why. I hope that's clear. We, we are having elevated immune responses these days. And so the antihistamines like Pepsid and Claritin block histamine release and inhibit H1 and H2 receptors. If we're living in an age of high histamine, this makes sense. We're having too much histamine, too much inflammation. It's blocking the ability to have implantation. Prednisone is a more general and strong anti-inflammatory drug. Studies have shown that prednisone could not only suppress uterine natural killer cells, cytotoxicity and cytokine secretion in the endometrium, so the uterine lining, but they could also that prednisone could also stimulate the secretion of human chorionic gonadotropin and HCG and promote proliferation and invasion of the embryo. So it can help, maybe help, in the implantation of an embryo. They're exploring it more to see if it's going to play more of a role in implantation. So in my mind, I say clean up your gut. Stop eating sugar and bread and things that are going to feed bad bacteria and cause and, and avoid like dairy. Basically go on an anti-inflammatory diet, a low histamine diet. That is my advice. Do things like quercetin, which is a natural antihistamine, omega-3, which reduces inflammation. Herbs can be really helpful for this. If you've had multiple failed repeated attempts, maybe the mini immune protocol can be helpful. But I still believe that if there's an immune response going on, 
you want to address the underlying cause. All said, I'm here to give you the info so that you can make informed decisions. This is the scoop on why I believe this immune protocol is being offered by certain centers and why it's been successful in this age. Until next time. I'm really happy you've tuned in and joined the community, and I'm so excited to bring you more helpful content with each episode. In order to make this podcast as helpful as possible, I want to hear your input on what questions you need answered to get you feeling empowered on your fertility journey. You can DM me on Instagram at at Naturna underscore life or at naturally CB to share your most important fertility related questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow and share with friends. My mission is to help as many women and couples as possible. And for that, I need your help. Yours as always in love and light, Dr. Christina.